um, the the subject of self and identity and ego and non-self. It's 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 a huge it's a huge area. It's, it's you know in a way it's all of our lives, and everything in our lives has something to do in relationship to it. So, um, and it's one of those subjects that's. Um, it's a little unfathomable in a certain way. It's something that's really hard to get your head around fully. Um, it's certainly in the, in the Buddhist teachings, it's one of the more perplexing teachings, one of the more mysterious teachings. There's teachings on self, on not-self, on ego, identity, selflessness, and different ways to uh, point to it. And at the same time, um, we live in this world, this culture of self. There's even a magazine called Self. <laughs> and there's many, many other magazines about self. <laughs> People and us and whatever they are. And, um, and in the Hollywood culture of elevating and reifying self and identity and being somebody, being somebody special, being somebody unique, being somebody important, being somebody uh, that people look up to or revere in some way. So, um, uh, so there's, there's just so many different facets to it because we have, you know, like a couple of people spoke to about being in transition and wanting to align with oneself, whoever that is, whatever that is. So we so we live with integrity and we live with wholeness. We live with congruency with, with the deeper parts of ourselves, which we often don't do. You know, so how do we align with ourselves? And yet the very self that we're aligning with is very mysterious, and it's very changeable, and it's elusive. So it's a constant dance. Right? And, and, uh, and the sense of self and who we are and identity changes both in different situations and at different times in our lives. And at the same time, there's a thread of continuity. So it's mysterious. And I, and I really want to hold the mystery of it and, and not to necessarily... Um, uh, yeah. You won't leave the workshop saying, I got that down. <laughs> okay, got that near. Okay, next topic, please. <laughs> What's tomorrow on the agenda? <laughs> no, it, it, hopefully it will lead you to more questions. <coughs> You know, the, the, the point of good inquiry and investigation is it leads to more questions. It leads to a questioning mind that stays open and curious, right? To not fix it to one answer, because there is no answer. There is no solution. There is no resolution. Rather, there is maybe perhaps a resolution or at least um, an ease with this whole theme, which we'll get to today. It's a cartoon from, I'm not sure where it's from, but, uh, well, even that's disappeared. See, it's just all very elusive. Um, so there's a, there's a, th- a three-box cartoon, and it's called The History of Man. So the first caption, History of Man. The second caption, there's a man, you know, thinking, and the bubble is, what the hell is happening here? And the third caption is The End. So we're in the middle, 
What the hell is happening? Who am I? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? Who? What's my identity? And people think I'm different than I feel. And so, with meditation, with awareness, with mindfulness, with inquiry, with uh, investigation, we can hopefully come closer to understanding, to feeling, to sensing uh, who we are and uh, how that informs what we do, how we act. So, one end of the spectrum is who you are is this incredibly unique, unrepeatable matrix of conditions that will never be repeated. That's the beautiful thing about being embodied, is who you are will never be repeated. You're in a unique expression of uh, life. Beautiful. To be honored, to be respected, to be valued, to be understood, to to be nurtured and cultivated. This is from Martha Graham, choreographer and dancer. There is vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is or how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. So that's one way of looking at how to, how to be with this mystery of life of ourselves, to, to keep the channel open, whatever that looks like, to not judge it or evaluate it or compare it, which of course we all do all the time, as you will do today and every day. How do I look? How do I... My, you know, who's more, who's, who's, who's the meditators here and who's the new people and who's more spiritual and who's more, you know, who has the biggest ego, who has the smallest ego. It's hard to tell. So I'm always really anxious about that. You know. So to live from that place where we're fully identified with our ego and trying to play that game is really challenging as you've probably discovered in the, all of your lives. It's uncertain, it's insecure, it's unstable, it's always changing, the rules are changing, the people are changing. There's no ground in that, if we take refuge in that. So we also live in a culture of uh, self-help, you know, helping ourselves. It's the biggest section in the bookstore often. Right. How many books do you have at home? Right. You've got stacks and stacks of books on your bedroom side table, right? Of self-help, improvement, improve your personality, fix this, grow that, develop that, become the best person you can be. And, you know, it's, it's all good stuff from one perspective. Um, but it also uh, uh, has a... Mm, it's another point of view, right? Which is, this is the raw material... And we work on it, and we improve it, and we develop it, and we refine it, and we become the best we can be on different levels. It's another point of view of working with the personality. So, and then we have, uh, in this context, we have the teachings of um, uh, the Buddha and uh, various Buddhist teachers who've been (coughs) 
looking at this theme and this this area for 2,500 years. It was really the one of the cornerstones of the Buddha's uh, insight and understanding and awakening to understand this sense of self and identity, and both the the the, the challenge and the limitation of it, and the, the, the stress that comes out of uh, our relationship with it. And meditation reveals uh, that more clearly and also reveals <clears throat> dimensions that are not bound by this limited sense of self or identity, but are much more peaceful, much more free, much more easeful. So it's a different dimension than the self-help arena and, and, and most of the psychological arena. So today... <clears throat> Mostly, want to look at what's what's being pointed to when we talk about the sense of self, the sense of identity, and how to how to pay attention to it, how to understand it, and see it and feel it in our experience, to see how we how we construct our identity, how we construct a sense of self, and then what we do with that, and what and what impact that has, and I hope to, to respond to some of the, the questions or the, 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 the intentions for why people came today because uh, they're very rich. And if, and if I don't, then please ask questions and please free, feel free to ask questions today, um, particularly if you have something burning uh, from your own experience or your own life that, that's wanting to be uh, examined or, or looked at. <clears throat> this is from Mark Twain. Biographies are but the clothes and the buttons of the man, of the person. The biography of the person cannot be written. So the biographies are descriptions of the outer person that we see and that we know historically. But who the person really is can't be touched. And he said it also, he said, we do not deal much in facts when we are contemplating ourselves. We do not deal much in facts when we contemplate ourselves. So another thing to be looking at today is how we relate to ourselves, how we see ourselves, and whether that's very accurate. Often uh, we think we know ourselves really well, but often our self-perception is actually really uh, off-base. It's really uh, inaccurate. For instance, the ways that we see ourselves negatively, the ways that mostly... When we, for most people, when they look at themselves, what do they see? Flaws. Yeah. Variations on flaws. What's wrong? What's not right? What's what's deficient? What's not enough? Mistakes. Uh, you know, and you know, not they're not they may not be untrue, but it's only one slice of the pie. And it's not what other people see, often or mostly. So to to look at how we see ourselves and how that, um, the, what the, what the impact of that is, when we don't see ourselves as we as we are, both on a on a outer level, but also on an inner level, what our real nature is. So these teachings uh, that I'll be sharing uh, from the Buddhist perspective, they are considered invitations. 
they're considered things to look into for yourself. It's not dogma, it's not, it's a point of view, it's not a point of view, it's a perspective on reality, but not something you're to suddenly swallow whole and say, yes, I now am a believer. I believe in self or not self or anything in between. No, but to actually see, well, well, how does this relate to my experience? Is this useful? Does this help, does this help bring about any sense of clarity or freedom or understanding? So, why, do, why, why have this day? Why, why are we here? I mean, it's, clearly this is a, a subject of interest to people. And f- one of the reasons why I do this work in, in this theme is because uh, I see that our self-views and our self-concepts and who we take ourselves to be is often the biggest source of suffering. And certainly for the Buddha talked about the attachment to this constructed sense of self was the cause of suffering, was, was, the, was, was the root cause of our suffering. The identification, the attachment to this idea, this concept or construct of who we take ourselves to be. And I'll say more about that as we go along. This is from Time magazine, no, New Yorker cartoon. So there's a couple of, a couple in the living room watching telly, TV, and um, the, they announced the show is saying, this week on the amazing race to enlightenment, can Jim and Susie achieve right mindfulness? And will Bob and Candy be eliminated for the relentless clinging to the self? It's coming to <laughs> to cable near you, <laughs> meditation reality show. <laughs> so this is from Time Magazine. It's Time Magazine, probably I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago, probably f- before the big wave of neuroscience around meditation started. Um, they had a uh, an, uh, an, article, an issue uh, focused on the self and in research on the nature of the self. And the conclusion was, after more than a century of looking for it, brain researchers have long since concluded that there is no conceivable place for a self to be located in the physical brain and that it simply does not exist. <laughs> now, you think that this would cause a great you know, social upheaval in the country, that <laughs> Time magazine is now telling everybody that the self does not exist. What do you mean? <laughs> so, um, what is that pointing to? Right. Clearly, there is something existing here, right? There's a body and it's wearing clothes and you had breakfast and you paid money and you're here and you drove your car. There's, there's something clearly here in existence, right? You can't deny that. But the idea, the sense of... So that what they were pointing to in the research was this sense of um, the one who decides or chooses or controls. The person we think sort of running the show back here somewhere in there that doesn't exist in the brain. There's not one pl- locus of, in the brain that's directing this show. It's just a process that's happening, like, or, like breathing and the blood flowing and the sun rising and passing, like, uh, uh, rising and setting. Um, it's an organic process that happens mostly by itself. It's kind of mysterious. So, 
So, and with this this sense of self or identity, we tend to think of it as one thing. We tend to think of ourselves as uh, we have a sense of ourselves, this picture or idea, a representation, and we think it's sort of it's like a it's homogenous, like it's it's one thing that we move through the world as as this sort of integral person and this integral sense of self. But actually, if we pay attention, it's always changing. And this is really the easiest doorway to understand, to get a sense of what's being pointed to when researchers or Buddhist teachers are saying the locus for the self doesn't exist. That what, what does exist is a changing... Uh, dip, uh, conditioned uh, sense of self, sense of identity, sense of who we are, that's always in flux. So um, one way of looking at it is you can you can ask yourself, who am I taking myself to be? How many selves, different selves, have you been this morning? So maybe you woke up this morning and it was like, oh, God, I'm just hungover, or I'm depressed, or I'm too tired, I don't want to go to that workshop, I hate workshops. Um, and then you open the curtains, and, oh, it's a sunny day, and you get up and you start feeling bright, and you have breakfast, and you have your coffee, and it's like, oh, I'm feeling really positive and upbeat, that sounds really good that day, I can't wait to go, and I'll see some friends, and suddenly we're the happy one, and we're the excited one. And then we get out to our car and we notice we've got a flat tire, which I did yesterday. And it's like, oh no, see, there's always something getting in my way that the universe is always blocking my path. I know it's a sign. I probably shouldn't go. It's, you know, I'm just the one who's always having to work twice as hard as everybody else. And we take birth as the victim or as the struggler or as the, you know, whatever that is. And then, you know, we, on it goes, right? <clears throat> So I was teaching a course in Bodhgaya in India where the Buddha attained his uh, awakening and um, I was uh, many days into a course and had this meeting with a student who um, was reporting in a group. He said, you know, yesterday I was having this great day of meditation. I felt really calm and still and... Um, concentrated and this light was coming and bliss and I, and I suddenly realized I was like, I'm finally getting it and he started to feel really happy and then of course his mind took over as it always does and started thinking, God, if, if I can get this like now, what if I like go to, you know, become a monk and sit in a cave and go to Burma and, you know, for the 10 years I just sit in the state and I'll be really enlightened and I come back and teach and, and all this grandiosity comes in and and of course, you know, what the, the, the stillness and the calm from his meditation suddenly got kicked out the window, right? Because he's all excited about getting enlightened and being a monk. And, and then his meditation went to pieces, and then the rest of the day was horrible. His mind was act- reactive and agitated and restless. And, uh, and, then, and by the end of the day, he wanted to leave the retreat. <laughs> <laughs> so that's taking birth in different selves, right? It's, 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 I mean, it's the same person, but it actually seems like two different people. Right? And we can go through similar things. You know, maybe you know you, you arrive at work and you great you get a great performance review from your boss and you're f- loving your work and it feels great. And then at the end of the day, you get some really nasty, 
hostile email that's criticizing you for something that you didn't do, some some paper, some time deliverable wasn't met, and you suddenly feel collapsed and hopeless, and and you want to leave. Right? It happens all the time. We we we're constantly changing. Right? Who, where is the stable sense of self in that? This is from Mark Epstein, who wrote a wonderful book. Um, if you want to explore this subject, this is one, one of many books that are interesting to read about. It's called Thoughts Without a Thinker. He's a psychiatrist from New York. He said, the I, and looking at this nature of the self, the I we are studying is not identical with the ego, but is a component of it. It is described as a self-representation a fused and confused, a fused and confused, constantly changing series of self-images. So, if you think about yourself or your identity, usually we think of ourselves, we, we picture ourselves in a certain way. Right? Like, if you imagine yourself going to a party or going into an interview or going into a social situation that's possibly anxiety-provoking, you know, are you coming here? We picture ourselves as this, as an identity, as a person with an identity, going into that situation, don't we? And 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 hoping that it's a good one, <laughs> hoping that it's a fluid one that that, that works well in that situation. Right? So it's it's in that way you can see it's a construct, it's an image, or an idea, or in this case he's saying it's a self-representation. So when we're born, we don't have this mechanism. We haven't de- the brain hasn't developed it yet. And it's partly through reflection from others, as, as you were pointing to, about how others, we, of- we often get part of, or a lot of our identity from how we're seen by others, particularly our primary caregivers, family, um, culture. Um, so as a baby, we don't have this, this sense of separation yet. We, we, we were born in a state of union or being merged primarily with mother um, and with everything else around us. And it takes a while to feel that sense of separation, to feel that sense of being a discrete entity. And that's partly because that's how we relate it to. And at some point, mentally, we develop a self-representation, which begins, they say, about nine months, but takes a long, many, I think many years to actually crystallize into a solid sense of me, Right? So this is very interesting. We don't start off with this sense of me. We start off with a sense of we. And then we go to me. And then what happens when we start to go to me is we start to feel anxious. And we start to feel fear. Because we feel separate. And when we feel separate, there's a sense of me and other, and a sense of threat, and a sense of need to survive. And so all these other mechanisms kick in. Don't believe me, but pay attention to the changing nature of of the sense of self, the changing nature of your identity. The Buddha said, the self of yesterday or of today or tomorrow for whose preservation you clamor, which is your true self? So if you look at pictures Somebody just sent me a picture of me when I was 21 in London, standing next to one of those those guards in London, the, the big hats, and they look very silly. Um, anyhow, uh, 
And I looked at that picture and said, and oh, there's me as a young person, younger person. Is that me? Is that the same person? Right? When we think, see pictures of ourselves as a baby or as an infant, right? or graduating, is that is that me? Is that the same person? Are we different? Are we separate? Are we connected? Is there a through line? Is the sense of self the same? Right? What, what, what's what, what's steady and what's fluctuating? So when we um, uh, go for a haircut, right? and the person comes and cuts off some of the hair, and that we've lovingly taken care of, and we've washed, and we've you know colored, and whatever we've pampered with it, done to it, right? And then and then the, the hair just comes, cuts it off, and then it's like ew, it's like ew, get that away, it's 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 dirt, it's stuff on the floor you want to just get right. You don't you don't go oh that's me, let me take it home, <laughs> put it in my pocket, put it in my bedside table. That's me, I love myself. No, we go, oh, that's kind of, or nails, fingernails, right? I mean, do you collect your fingernails? Oh, that's me, it's loving. <laughs> no, it's considered like icky and, you know. So what does that say about our identity and how it changes? And who, what we identify. And I'll talk more about how we identify with the body later. So one place, and I was t- talking this, telling this to a person the other day, um, about how this, this changing sense of self, to notice when you first wake up in the morning, if the sense of self that you know you ordinarily take yourself to be is present. Because when we go to sleep, one of the reasons we love sleep is, guess what? We go to sleep. The selfing process, the me, my, and my life, and my importance, and blah, 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 that just goes to sleep. It's, it's, it's a relief, right? We can't wait to get to bed, right? Just a kind of, ugh. It's called poor man's nirvana. Right, we let go of the self and we relax, and it's like, oh, thank goodness. And then, so in the morning, sometimes if you wake up slowly without an alarm, that sense of me and my life and my worries and my problems hasn't kicked in immediately, right? And and sometimes it does. You wake up with anxiety, but sometimes it doesn't, and you kind of wake up and it's like bleary and soft, and everything kind of feels okay, and kind of like dreamy, and and then a thought pops up: Oh God, did I send that email to my boss last night? And immediately, that sense of contraction, of fear, of separation, of being this person with a life and comes, and it feels, it actually feels, what does it feel? It feels constricting, it feels limiting, it feels, we shrink, we feel separate, we feel uncomfortable. So... Um, so that's one place to notice it. Another place to notice it, I mean, and you, we'll all have our different places where this happens. Uh, but some people might be in listening to music, you know, listening to whatever your music is, and you just lose yourself in the music. Um, I was at a friend's house the other day, and he's got this insanely amazing sound system where it feels like you're in the room with Ella Fitzgerald, and literally, and, you know, and, and we, I, one loses oneself when listening to music. It's a beautiful thing. It's one of the reasons why we like music. Um, or when we dance, or when we uh, engage in some creative project, or for some people it's their work, and we lose ourselves, maybe for hours, and it feels what? It feels delicious. When we lose cognizance of, of me and my life and my whatever drama we have going on, what does that feel like? It feels really pleasurable. What does that tell us about the sense of self? 
tells us something. So for me, mostly, my doorway is in nature. And I think it's many people's doorways to touch the mystical, to touch the something bigger, something sacred, something divine, something uh, other than just my, my, my life and my drama. And so we go out into nature, we're walking or surfing or whatever it is, and there's something about being in the natural world that's not caught up in itself, not selfing itself, not saying, oh, I'm the coolest oak tree ever, check me out. No, it's just being an oak tree. And the deer is just quietly munching grass and the birds are flying and, and something in us relaxes we, when we come into an environment that's not surrounded by, by things selfing themselves. Our sense of selfing relaxes and at times maybe it disappears. And we're just we're just a piece, you know, looking at the water or or um, listening to the song of the birds or the waves. Right? Does this sound familiar? That's why we go into nature. And then at some point, you know, maybe and this happens to me frequently. I'll be out in nature somewhere, and then suddenly I'll hear like a bunch of guys hurtling down the mountain on mountain bikes, and suddenly the sense of self comes back. Who are they? Is it a threat? Are they going to run me over? Am I wearing my cool outdoor clothing? I, I don't know. But I hope so. Um, you know, and that's in a sense of separation. Identity comes back, and then they cause they they go onto another tra- trail, and they and they fade. The sounds fade, and then there's a sense of relaxation again. The sense of self starts to dissolve. Right? So there's many different ways we can see how the sense of self, you know, comes and goes. We get a. Uh, a letter from the IRS. We don't, haven't even opened the letter, and the sense of self is like, and, and the, the fear self, the scarcity self comes in. Oh my God, what is it? It's an audit. Oh my God, oh, I can't, not this year, please, not this year. Right? Oh, you know, many, many different things. Um, you know, maybe your kids come home. They don't come home. Maybe they, they come home really late. Maybe they, you know, it's three in the morning. They still haven't come home. It brings up another identity. So, so all the time we're getting pricked, pinged by each other, by life, and different senses of self arise. <clears throat> this is one of my favorite uh, nature poems. It speaks to this, this theme. So it's from Li Po, a Chinese poet. He says, The birds have vanished into the sky, and the last remaining clouds have drained away. We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains. We sit together the mountain mean until only the mountain remains. So we'll do a little of this practice at some point today outside. So, and then I came across online a, a, a different version of this poem, and it speaks to how, well, one, how translations are sketchy at best, and two, um, well, I'll read it, and then you can make up your own mind. So it goes, All the birds have flown up and gone. A lonely cloud floats leisurely by. We never tire of looking at each other, only the mountain and me. That's very different, right? There's a lot of self in that one. There's me and the mountain, we're gazing at each other, and it's so cute, and we love each other. Right? Versus, I disappear, and there's just the mountain. There's just what's here, without the sense of me doing anything, being anything.
So to look for yourself, to see, to, to think, reflect, and maybe this is something you, you might not have consciously reflected on, but maybe you'll do this after the, this day today, to, to think about where, where in your life, where are the places that the sense of self gets quiet or disappears? Think about your times when you've been most peaceful in your life or the times that have been most uh, sacred or profound or heart-opening. Usually not when the mind is busy with thinking about me and my life and my worries and my plans and my... Right? It's not when the mind, the, that thinking mind is busy, but when that's quiet and there's just a sense of connection. Oh, receptivity or openness, silence. It can happen in meditation. We get quiet in sitting. It's just breath breathing itself, life doing its thing, and there's awareness aware of it all, but not claiming it. <laughs> and then there's a squirrel who wants his nuts, and <laughs> this is my my territory. He might. That is that is up for question. He certainly has a sense of, yes, of territoriality for sure. Whether there's a self-construct, self-construct that we do that 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 we don't know. Looks that we we project that onto a lot of things, uh, animals and whatnot, anything actually. You know, we give identities to cars and to buildings and to nation states and to um, but it's actually not necessarily what's happening so that whole process can be happening without a sense of self it's just in this case nature doing its thing protecting itself surviving so today I want you to pay attention to this the sense of self or identity or self-image or self-representation right? or self-reflection and to see how it changes through the day. Right? To see, like right now, what, what does that feel like for you? What does it look like to you? Is there a sense of self-consciousness? Is there a social self? Like, you know, do I fit in here? Am I liked? Are these my people? This is a tribal self, um, or the spiritual meditating self. It's a different, different ways we create an identity. So, any questions thus far? And we'll do a little. We'll do. I want to do a little sitting practice to explore this experientially. So, there's one thing to. I should preface the my whatever I say and questions with the our ordinary everyday mind has a hard time with this concept. It's it's hard. It doesn't sort of it doesn't compute uh, on a certain level because. Uh, uh, everyday mind is is quite convinced that I'm real, I'm here, I exist, and um, I'm the only game in town. 
<laughs> so better listen and don't examine me too closely. Thank you very much. So it's um, the the doorway to this uh, is is not so. I mean, we can use intellectual analysis, but uh, the understanding, the experiencing of it is is often more poetic. So it's often my poetry is a door is a, is a wonderful way to access this because um, it's not it's it's less. The point is not just to necessarily understand it with your mind, but to really feel it in your body and to feel it in in a deeper part of our being. So to intuit it rather than to cognitively figure it out, because we can't actually cognitively figure it all out. Because there's something paradoxical to it. We're both here... There's both something here and not here. I'm here, but it's not... I exist, but not necessarily in the way that my mind thinks I exist. There's identity, but it's very elusive. There's a sense of self, but it's very elusive. Like if, if, if right now, okay, right now, find the sense of self. Right now, just take a moment. Where is the sense? Just like in Time Magazine, where is? Where are you? <laughs> where are you? Where, where's where? Do, where's the sense of identity or self located? Is it a feeling? Is it a, a physicality? Is it a thought? Is it an image? Is it somewhere? Is it nowhere? Is it everywhere? Usually when we say, in like we introduce ourselves, we'll point to ourselves and say, well, I'm, this is who I am. You know, so it's in the heart area for some people, so some it's in the mind. But, but what is that? Like, where am I in there? Is that who I am right here? My chest, my heart? So I'll do a little um, exercise. Um, but you've been standing for a little while, so um, well, actually, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it first, and then we'll take a little stretch break, and then we'll come back and do it at length. But right now, just close your eyes. And if you let go of any image, right, so let go of an image of the body, if you close your eyes, there's no arms, there's no legs, there's no head or body. Right? That's just a, that would be a visual representation. What's the experience of your body? Well, if you don't go to an image from the past, 
what's the direct experience. Maybe a few sensations, touch sensations. Pressure, touch, warmth, coolness, movement of the breath. In this, in this place, in this moment, is there any gender? Is there any age? Where does the concept of old or young fit in this moment when we just look directly to our experience? Is there any history? If we just look to this moment, which is all we have, this moment. Is there any shape or size to the body? Large, small, tall, thin, short, Who are we when we don't look to the past or to an image or a memory? Just look to what's right here. What am I in this moment? What am I when my when I don't allow my mind to try and figure it out? What's here in the silence? You may notice that there is awareness, that there's a sense of something that's aware of experience. There's an awareness of perhaps sounds or sensations or thoughts or images or emotions. And anything else is extra. Anything else is an add-on.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.